The Washington Commanders start 2-0 for the first time since 2011 after beating the Denver Broncos 35-33. Let's go! Greetings and salutations and welcome to Ref the District's instant reaction here. I'm Nathan Perry. That's the stoner. And as you can see, I'm wearing the onesie as Washington did beat the Denver Broncos 35 to 33 in a nail biter stoner. Mm, That was so awesome. It was great, but it was very nerve wracking. Mm -hmm. Washington pins back Denver. They have to drive pretty much the entire field there in less than a minute. They end up getting close enough to get a Hail Mary, convert the Hail Mary, but they still need the two-point conversion. And then Benjamin St. Juice locking them up. Locking them up. That's right. Washington remains victorious. Now, Stoner, this was anything but a gimme yeah, all yeah. the way throughout. Obviously, we all predicted such a high-scoring game between these two teams. Uh, but realistically, this was a game that was looking like it was not going to go Washington's way at all as the first three drives by Denver ended up in touchdowns and Washington's first four drives ended up with three points. Yeah. Not going their way. Missed field goal. These long touchdown passes from Russell Wilson to Mims Jr. Mm -hmm. How did that first half feel? compared to that second half. You know what it kind of felt like is last year, the first game against Jacksonville, when Jacksonville was just kind of throwing the ball all over the place, big play after big play, and you're just looking like, what is going on with this defense? And so, like you said, Denver scored on their first three possessions, all three of them touchdowns. And then we need to figure out what this particular record is but I'd like to see what Ron's record is in the second half of games <laughs> with Washington yeah. because it's really good. They, they've they made some really nice adjustments through the course of a game when they're getting their butts kicked early on and they make certain adjustments. And next thing you know, they're coming from behind and either taking the lead or getting close. But yeah, that first, that especially that first quarter was just sad. Washington gets the ball first goes right down the field but what did they have they gave up a sack and that just killed the drive and then joey sly comes in and and we said it on the broadcast that if you put the goal post up and then you moved them a full goal post length to the right he still wouldn't have made it no. that's he, how he, bad he that from was. 20 yards it was that bad of a <laughs> Yeah, uh, kick there. Uh, we were told the <laughs> app was kind of bad on that. Uh, didn't matter for the rest of the game. Yeah. Uh, as Washington able to get ahead, but it was something again down 21 to three mm-hmm. with, I believe, less than two minutes to go in the first half. Then they come storing back to lead 35 to 26. Or 27, rather. Yeah, 35 27. So they gave up two field goals. 35 24. Yeah, they gave up one point. Yeah, they gave up two field goals from after those first three drives. And then Hail Mary is what got Seattle within uh, scoring range here. Ryan or Denver. I'm sorry, Denver. <laughs> you got that Russell Wilson Seattle on your mind. Yes, I do. But uh, it was probably because he's having his own flashbacks of throwing the ball at uh at the goal line with oh, one yard right? to go 
just some strange decision making, but let's let's talk about some of the positive things here, Stoner. Okay. Ryan Robson had himself a quality game. Yeah. Rushing the ball, looking good, uh, just out there. You've called Brian Robinson a jag. I have. And I know that this is a game that, you know, one game in all of it, but this looks like a good running back for Washington in this offense. Yeah, he's definitely got to keep it up. And and Ron slash EB have got to figure out a way to get him the ball more often in the first half. Why do you have to wait until you get down 21 to three to realize that he can be a weapon? Sure, I've called him a Jag, but if you look at his games, he has Jag stats. Jag is not saying that he's bad. Jag Mm -hmm. just means he's just another guy. He's an average player. And that's what his stats have been. But this game, he was definitely not that. He was otherworldly in this game. He had 18 carries for 87 yards on the ground, two touchdowns on the ground. Plus, he had another two catches for 42 yards. Mm -hmm. So he had two 21 yard receptions. So there's 21 and then another 21. He was awesome. He did everything. He he was leaning forward. He didn't put the ball on the turf. He he was fantastic. Brian Robinson was great in this game. And it's it it seems like Ron forgets about him in the first half or EB, who's ever deciding this. Yeah, I think it's gonna be they forget bad. about him early and and wait until it's you're down 21 to three before you start utilizing it. Well, so one, one of the things, and we talked a little bit about this in our live play by play is I, Eric Bienemy comes from like that Andy Reed mentality of mm-hmm. you use the pass to set up the run and yeah. so pass, pass, pass. And then they're able to run because, you know, they have that, that momentum going for them. Now, yeah. typically you're not down 21 to three when sure. that happens, right. uh, but they do trust Sam Howell, young QB, and they're putting it a lot on him, especially early on. Now, I know we didn't quite capture those first half stats for Sam Howell, but he, again, this was a game where he threw the ball more in the first half than they mm-hmm. chose to run it. Sam Howell had a good game, I thought. Uh, what were your thoughts on Sam Howell's second start of the season? Yeah, when you say they trust Sam Howell, I think they definitely do, but I th- Maybe they just trust him a little too much. So in that first half, he had 35 dropbacks and they ran the ball seven times. That I don't care if you're EB, you're if you if you're Andy Reid, if you're Sean Payton, whomever, that's not sustainable in terms of being victorious throughout the course of a season. 35 to seven is that five to one a pass to run ratio? That's not sustainable. But you're right. They are showing confidence in him and allowing him to drop back that many times in a half. And he rewarded them after a little while. He had a couple of sacks he shouldn't have taken. He had the strip uh, fumble. Luckily, Washington got back on that. Uh, And he didn't throw any interceptions. He ended up throwing for uh, a touchdown as well. Almost 300 yards, 299. He was really, really good. Second half, he was really, really, really good. I was very impressed with him in the second half. The throw to Terry McLaurin is a big boy throw. Not many people can make that throw in this league, uh, and he obviously can. That was a fantastic throw. He had a throw to Bates down the sideline that was great. He had just some regular throws in the middle of the field that were really good. His receivers helped him out. T. 
Terry on that catch was huge. Logan's touchdown catch when he got hit in the head and he held on to it. Diami caught one that was behind him. I mean, Diami had three catches. He had five last year. He had three in this game. So uh, Sam is out there slinging the ball all over the place. I still need think they need to temper it a little bit, but hey, Sam was really good. He yeah. was he was better than good. I thought he was really really good overall. Yeah, a lot of good plays coming from him. Those sacks, as you mentioned, something that still needs to get cleaned up. Yeah. Uh, only four sacks on the day. Four sacks, but I think only one and, in the second half. Yeah, so but that's still ten in two games. So that's that's not a pace you want to keep going for your young QB. But like you said, less in the second half, and we saw that adjustment for Washington last week against Arizona. Four in the first half, actually a lot of those late in the second quarter and only two in the second half. Here we see three in the first half, only one in the second half, which tells me he's learning and he's he's processing a little bit better. So hopefully as the season goes along, those get less and less. Mm-hmm. And hopefully as the season goes on, we see more and more of Chase Young, his return to action a week sooner than most people expected. And for the first half, I felt he was a little quiet. Yes. Second half, we were calling his name almost every time he was out there on the field, yeah. whether or not it was bull rushing or getting by or just persistent pressure coming off that edge. His man, uh, Montez Sweat, coming up after one of those sacks and telling him, like, yeah, you're back. You've got it. It was his first sack in more than 700 days. Wow. So, what did you think of Chase Young? You particularly have been very critical of him. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm glad he came out there and shut me up for a game. Absolutely. Because in, in the first half, as you said, he was non-existent. And the defense was non-existent until about halfway through the second quarter when they decided to show up or they decided to make the proper adjustments. We were killing JDR uh, on the live stream, but they made the proper adjustments and they were wreaking havoc. Deron Payne was everywhere. And uh, Jamin Davis, hello, welcome to 2023, Jamin Davis. He was everywhere as well. But Chase specifically had a fantastic second half. That's what we need from Chase game in and game out. Montez Sweat had his second fantastic game in a row. What did he have last week? One and a half sacks last week? week, One and a half again this week, as did Chase. So... Look, they're, they've got four and a half sacks in two games. They've almost caught their number that they were trying, uh, that they had in 2021 when they had declared they were going for the sack record. Yeah. Chase Young having one Chase and a half great. that second season. He's already matched that number. Monster <laughs> right. went on pace to crush his numbers from that season. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Cody Barton here, and so we're going to shift a little bit to maybe some of the, the, the negative side of this game because mm-hmm. that's this was a much closer game than it needed to be, large part because this defense had a couple of gaffes there on the first few drives of Denver, one of those being Cody Barton, who we've seen time in and time out. He shoots the gap. Might not be the right gap. Sometimes, Often it's the wrong gap, but when he, even when he shoots in the right gap, he's missing the tackle. Yeah. Cody Barton giving up a touchdown pass as he was just going the wrong direction, caught flat-footed on another uh, big play by Denver. Yeah. What do you think of the new middle linebacker for this Washington defense? Well, listen, linebackers have been devalued for a reason, and it's been devalued in this defensive scheme 
and they're not the most important players. The the front guys, the front four or five, depending on what they're playing, and then the back four or five, depending on what they're playing. The guys in the middle are just basically there to not screw up. So that's kind of the way I look at it because you want Forrest and Curl and and uh, Fuller and Forbes making a pick, by the way, and then your front guys to wreak havoc so that the guys on the back end can make those plays. So Cody Barton did struggle again a little bit in this game um, as well. But, I mean, Denver scored 33 points. But the way it kind of feels defensively, I thought they were very, very good. I mean, like you said, 21 points were in the first three drives. And then after that, they figured One of those out. drives was a one-play 75-yard bomb yeah. to Mims Jr. where Percy Butler was just caught looking – at the flat and Mims jr. Was wide open. He's so 33 points is not uh terrible when you kind of just break it down. 33 on the, on the surface is bad. You shouldn't be giving up 33 points to Denver, but when you kind of dive into it, it's not that terrible. Yeah. Yeah. The, the first three drives, I think they had a 10 or maybe it was even in the first half they had, uh, Denver had a 10 yard per play mm. average, mm-hmm. uh, which is outstanding. And it's especially outstanding given the fact that their first, the, their second, the last two drives they had were negative drives. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they can have two negative drives and still have that kind of, uh, you know, per play average was pretty outstanding. Another downside to this game was Logan Thomas. You mentioned him getting rocked on his touchdown grab that did result in the ejection of the Denver player as he launched himself like a missile and uh, took out himself and Logan Thomas. Uh, Logan Thomas was a feature part of this offense in week one, and it looked like that was going to be the case again this game. What's it going to be like if he can't suit up for Washington for an undetermined amount of time? Well, we saw uh, Cole Turner make some plays. We even saw John Bates make some plays. And I think Washington only had one dropped pass this entire game, and, and that was Bates. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Cole Turner was very good. He caught some some passes and had some good runs after the catch. And, of course, that one down the sideline to Bates was a really nice play that he caught before he got pummeled held on to the ball uh so i mean logan thomas is a really good player but this tight end room as we've talked about forever is they like this tight end room so now it's time for cole turner and bates and now maybe curtis hodges if logan's going to be out for a while they've got to step up and uh you know cover those those um catches or those plays that logan uh is probably not going to be able to make for a little while yeah, so he is he is uh, possibly going to be out. We'll keep tabs on that throughout the week to see what the team says or if he ends up on IR or if he's just going to get uh, a designation as out, similar to we saw Quan Martin uh, this week out with a concussion. Uh, outside of that, there was a little bit of a scare with Deron Payne kind of coming up wincing, limping mm-hmm. off the out. Uh, uh, you know, sidelines there, but he did come back. And that's important as Deron Payne had himself an entire game. But I mean, specifically, I want to talk about the series opening up the third quarter. The second mm-hmm. half there was the Deron Payne series as he was wreaking havoc. Can you walk us through that? 
Yeah, I think first play he had, uh, I can't remember specifically, but it was like a sack and then uh, and then a pressure and then uh, a play where he got maybe the running back or something down. And, and it was a three and out mm-hmm. for Denver, who's trying to come out in the third quarter and make a statement after Washington kind of dominated from the second quarter on. And it was a three and out and it was the Deron Payne show. And Deron Payne was very good. You didn't hear a lot from Jonathan Allen, but every time you watched the replay of Payne making a play, you saw Jonathan Allen getting double teamed. Mm-hmm. And those both of those guys have talked about it. If Allen's going to get double teamed, then Deron Payne's going to eat. And if they decide to double team Deron Payne, John Allen's going to eat. So in this game, they decided to double John Allen and Deron Payne ate. An entire defensive line, again, which is what we've been waiting years for is finally paying yeah. off. When you invest guys. four first rounders yeah. in the defensive line, this is the kind of production you want to see from them. Not the scoreboard production, but the production <laughs> right. from the defensive line there. Just do an outstanding job. Now, there were a few times there, Stoner, where the run game for Denver just seemed to be picking up some big chunk sure. yards. I know a lot of that's going to be on the, the linebackers that we're still trying to figure out and kind of they're much maligned there. Now, this was mm-hmm. one of the reasons why Washington shifted to that 5-2 defense in the first place because it's a lot harder to run on a on a team when you don't have when you can't double block a Jonathan Allen and a Deron Payne and you have a John Ridgeway or Anderson in there this year to really kind of mm-hmm. gunk things up. Do you foresee Washington fixing some of those defensive, you know, tendencies that they have this early in the season? No, I don't think so. I I think they they figured something out after after Denver started off so strong running. I mean, Denver Denver finished with 122 yards rushing, which is really good. Anytime you get over 100 as a team, that's really good. But let's take away those last two drives where Russell Wilson was running quite a bit when he was getting pressured by Deron Payne and Chase and Montez and all that. And they're under well under 100 because he had probably 30-plus yards in those last couple of drives when Denver was already down 35 to 24. Mm-hmm. They were down 11 points, so Washington's playing back, and Russell Wilson has those chances to run. But for sure, in that first quarter, they were gashing running the ball. But yeah. Washington made the adjustments and shut it down from there. Yeah, Washington's defensive line might be letting up some rushing yards, but they did get after Russell Wilson. Last week, he was pressured the least amount in the NFL. That will not be the case when those numbers are released this week as this Washington defense got after him. They did flip the script. The offense scoring all 35 points, which could be the first time that's happened in in a few years here for Washington. Well, let let me give you a couple of stats offensively. Washington scored at least 35 points for the first time since November 2020, which you mentioned, which was the Dallas uh, Thanksgiving game. But they scored at least one defensive touchdown in that game, maybe two. And this particular game, of course, was all offense. And Washington had nine players, nine players with at least two catches, the most in one game in franchise history. Two, nine guys had at least two catches. So you go all the way down, of course, um, to Logan and Cole Turner and Bates and all those guys. Even Byron Pringle had yeah, one catch. We saw Pringle's show in there. And that was yeah, great. he didn't. 
if he had gotten two, then that would have been uh, 10 guys who had at least two catches. But those are a couple of things. And, and then 18-point uh, comeback was the largest road comeback since November 4th, 1990. And so that's uh, that's pretty impressive. That's the first time they've done that in, give me do the math, 33 years. 33 years, years yeah. Yeah, the biggest comeback on the road that they've had in 33 years. They were down 20, uh, 18 points in this game at one Very point. Very similar to, to the time that Washington came back against Denver in the Super Bowl. Doug Williams mm. getting the victory there. Sam Howell and the Washington Commanders getting the victory this time. We're going to go in-depth tomorrow during the day after reckoning, so make sure you check yep, that yep. out here on Ref the District. I'm Nathan Perry. That's the Stoner. We're bringing you content for the Washington Commanders every day this week. So be sure to check that out wherever you're listening to your audio podcasts or, of course, here on our YouTube. But until next time, 2-0, baby. Be a fan. Oh.